You're listening to Episode 7 of The Propaganda Report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley. Today's episode is a crossover edition as we combine forces with Monica's show on WSB 750 Atlanta. Here's Monica Perez. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Although I do get bumped for football or other sports sometimes. But unlike in previous years, this time I've actually followed through on my uh, hopes that I could produce some offline or online off-air content and i have been doing that so if you ever get the jones and want a little monica perez show fix you can go to my website monicaperezshow.com and check out all these wsb podcasts from my past shows but also my new show uh, online show the propaganda report which I co-host with my WSB producer, Brad Binkley, who's here in studio with me. And uh, Binkley, we've really gotten some good feedback on that show, don't you think? I think so. I think we're coming along. I think it's fun because I can, I guess, I don't know why this is, but I feel like I can kind of let my hair down a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. So maybe I'll try to bring some of that onto the air, and hopefully that is well received. But if people want to get to that, maybe help, uh, increase the exposure of it, which I think makes your life a little better, makes it more worthwhile for you. What do you want? If, they, if you could tell people to do one thing, whether it's iTunes or YouTube or your website, where would you tell people to go for the propaganda report and what do you want them to do? How about we link the propaganda report to your website and we send them there? Okay. And ultimately, though, you want them to subscribe to what? The YouTube channel? Subscribe to my YouTube channel at freedomactradio.com. And also okay. subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Okay, great. And so we'll, go to. We'll put that link on your website. We'll put it all on my website, monicaparezshow.com. And what actually the format of the show, which we call the Propaganda Report, but it's really what I like to do on this show anyway, is to look at kind of what's in the mainstream media and not so much try to explain what they're trying to tell you, but explain what they're trying to get at you know what they're trying to make you think like what is the nature of the propaganda because i have finally concluded that basically everything you hear in the mainstream media at this point is trying to uh move the ball forward for one agenda or another and and i always feel like there is actually a theme for the week there's always some dominant theme and and if you read like one newspaper every day you'll see they'll have multiple articles and or if you just turn the channels from Fox to CNN, you'll see they're talking about the exact same thing, whether it's the biggest thing you've ever heard in your life or just a small thing. They, they, there's always a theme. And I feel like this week the theme was clearly the uh, rigged election. Did you did you not get that sense, Binkley? That was a huge theme. this week. <laughs> yeah. And, and here was the crazy part was that, that we watched the debate last night. Uh, no, it was Wednesday night. And right after the debate, the uh, CNN guys, Jake Tapper, the first thing he said was, I am shocked and outraged that 
that Trump said that he would not commit to supporting the outcome of the election. And, and I myself have noticed that the media guys immediately within two seconds know exactly what the theme is going to be for days. So they've been talking about it for days now. And this guy happened to like, he personally, this guy's worried about his makeup, personally figured out, distilled and You know, I didn't even, I didn't even notice that comment. I mean, and I've noticed before they seem to, I don't know if it's a reflection of those, somebody behind the scenes setting the agenda in real time, or they're having some element of scripting to it. I think, I think, Binkley, you're may, maybe a little less conspiratorial than I am. I think you. What I do you think, think it's a media effort. I think that I think the media has decided that doesn't matter what Trump says, they're going to be. They know the feeling. We're going to be outraged about whatever he says, and you know, like a, an angry ex-girlfriend, something very, very small, <laughs> something you might not notice otherwise, is taken and, and blown up to huge proportions. Well, I my only curiosity about that read is that they, that everybody picked up that thread. I mean, is is Jake Tapper like the most uh, insightful person in the world? That that there's like three articles about it the very next day in the Wall Street Journal. I mean, how did he know that was the thing? Was it just in the air? Well, see, I would wonder if I know they had already asked his daughter previously and they had already asked uh, Mike Pence on air. So they were trying to pin him in a corner. I wonder if somebody had already asked him and he had not given an answer. Oh, actually, that is true. Dana Bash foreshadowed this quite a bit. That's right. Yes. So so it was already on the table. Actually, the details of how it works doesn't matter that much. But she had said all these uh, things about. You know, that's what they really don't know. Um, Oh, no, she was just talking about whether or not he was going to stick to the script. Uh, They had rehearsed him. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think there were a lot. There was a lot of foreshadowing there. So certainly there was an agenda to introduce this topic. And they used the debate as a way to um, make it the talking point for the rest of the week. And I feel like the important question there is why what's significant about this issue and for me i've got a couple of ideas about it um one first off i i have observed and this was true for the last debate when and that whole dust up when trump trotted out the uh, uh bill clinton's accusers I really, I think it's a very good argument that they were genuinely Bill Clinton's victims. And I'd say so. Yeah. And for you, you know, I know you, Binkley, we talked about this. You felt like Trump was giving them airtime. For me, I felt like he was just by bringing it up. I'm not saying he was it was intentional or not. But the fact that he was the one to bring it up, just like with this rigged election thing, means that those women and and the uh, rumors of rigging elections gets in the deplorables basket, that it just gets thrown into the basket. And then everybody can think of it as like a carnival sideshow and not take it seriously. It's almost a way of disposing of issues rather than him bringing it up for awareness. I feel like he brings it up to uh, or that the effect of him bringing it up, whether it's intentional or not, is is actually to dispose of the issue. Yeah, I, I think it could be either way. I think it's like competing propagandas. I, my ultimate theory, I think I've told you, is I believe to take down the Clintons, you have to expose Jeffrey Epstein's connections to the founding of the Clinton Foundation. And the only way to get that into the conversation, I believe, is to just lay down all your cards and see who's worse. And, you know, Trump's saying, I'm going to put everything out. And I think he's trying to generate a conversation. But what you said could also very much happen. Well, I actually I don't know if this is extreme cynicism on my part or what, but I feel like 
first of all, it seems to me at this point, all the mainstream media is like on the same side that they will only bring up the same issues. I guess Fox has a little bit uh, different stuff from CNN when it comes to Hillary things. But if no matter what Trump or anybody else did to bring out these Jeffrey Epstein issues, if they don't focus on it over and over and tell people what to think about it, it isn't really going to make an impact. Right. That is the challenge. I guess the hope is to, if he is genuinely trying to do that, I guess the hope is to drive people to Internet media. And Well, here here's actually an example from the debate of how it just matters how they frame it you know, post-debate. He said all this stuff about, or, or he didn't really say, he didn't really say all this stuff. They just said, because he said, let's see, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to commit. But Hillary was saying, and this has been a very prominent theme, that the that the Russians were uh, working against her to hack her stuff, to affect the outcome of the election in favor of their buddy Trump, which to me, that's the laughable stuff. These guys are like a rigged election. Could you imagine and, and in she, this country? Yeah. <laughs> She's pushing conspiracy theories. It's a it's an inversion of reality. It's unbelievable. The things that Hillary says that she does actively on an ongoing basis. Like what? Well, the conspiracy theory stuff. And then there's the whole during the second debate, Hillary came out on the Ellen DeGeneres show and she says he was just stalking me and he was dominating the space. And I went back and watched the entire the entire second debate because I was like, that looks like he's framing. That's like camera framing, like they're making him look like Michael Myers in Halloween. And I watched the debate. Trump never leaves his area. Not one time. He walks forward and walks backwards. Hillary, every time, using the same tactic that Bill Clinton used in 92, walks and stands directly in front of Trump so the camera operators can frame Trump in a negative light. Yeah, it's it, there is definitely a, a a generosity that they give to her. I actually started in the debate Wednesday night. I started a hashtag, Chris Wallace silent. That because, was terrible. Yeah. yeah, because the things that he would stop, Trump, she would be doing the exact same things. And uh, Trump would say something and he would correct him or fact check him or push back on him. And then with her, they really, he wouldn't. And, and one real contradiction I found was that uh, that they that they let that her discussion of the Russian stuff, which was the preposterous one, go by unchallenged completely. And it is absolutely preposterous. And she drags in like 13 or 17 government agencies with her. And it's just silliness. And then she's calling him a conspiracy theorist throughout the debate. She keeps trying. It's unbelievable. When in reality, the rigged elections, uh, the elections, you don't need Russia to make elections illegitimate. Like in the past, the last hour, I played my Ron Paul interview. If anyone had evidence of rigged elections, uh, Ron Paul was absolutely, I mean, there is, just Google it, look into it. I should put it in some Kennedy show notes Kennedy in 1960, here. he took Chicago. The mafia <laughs> helped him get it. It's, it's I mean... There- Yes, there were lots and lots of examples. There, there's even actually some pretty in-depth work done on 2004 in Ohio to reconcile how John Kerry could have had such uh, uh, an advantage in the exit polls, and in reality, Bush won that. I, I heard something about like a uh, if you Google the word kingpin in regard to that <laughs> election. No, there's like a there's like a computer program called the kingpin that can flip votes now. You just have to it's not preposterous. Right. So I think there's plenty of evidence that there is real uh, election rigging, that the GOP itself is 
capable of that, if not guilty of it. Then you also had those uh, tapes that were released this week from Project Veritas, where the DNC or or their affiliates, whatever, are really going out there to create this uh, um, uh False impressions at Trump rallies bird to the point where they're is what they called it on the bird side. dogging. Yeah, where they actually would teach people how to provoke getting punched in the face. Yeah, and, and can you? I mean, you're a moderator, you're a journalist, and Trump brings up these videos, video evidence of people working with Hillary's campaign who've been to the White House a number of times on tape teaching people to provoke a fight. And and the the moderator doesn't follow up with Hillary on that. Yes, and I have to say that it was in stark contrast with the previous debate. So you're talking about the third debate, where Trump refers to these Project Veritas videos, which anybody listening is probably, and I know don't normally say that, but probably everybody listening has heard of this. It's James O'Keefe. Uh, his latest hidden camera expose. It's got already millions and millions and millions of hits. Whereas in the previous debate, the second debate. He uh, uh, that followed these um, the salty language that Trump used with his Billy Bush interview. And it was so funny because they made nothing but uh, hay out of that. They talked about it in the uh, throughout the debate, whereas in the third debate, they didn't even give any validity to the existence of this stuff. And this stuff was about vote rigging, which is just, you know, it's just amazing. Whereas the other stuff looked like just, uh, you know, grandstanding for a Hollywood show. Anyway, we've got I really want to keep talking about this. We have um, so we, we actually have later on in the show, man on the street stuff that Binkley brings us from the heart of Atlanta. So all of that uh, and more, uh, please stay tuned. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We are back. This is Monica Perez. And uh, we have been talking about the kind of theme of the week, which is, the, in my opinion, it's rigged elections that that as soon as Trump said in the debate Wednesday night about uh, that, he would not. Well, let's see what happens, whether or not he's going to accept the results of the election. It seemed to have sent out a red flag throughout the media or they were waiting for that, ready for that. Obviously, Chris Wallace knew he was going to ask the question. So I guess they they could have anticipated that pretty well. But then after that, it just completely dominated the news cycle. And my feeling is with stuff like that, sometimes is that they are that Trump wants to bring this stuff up and people really identify with it and want those issues to be addressed. He's done this with issue after issue, in my opinion. And because of the way Hillary has set it up and the media plays along with it, and I'm saying the media on the left and the right, do I do not think of the Wall Street Journal or Fox as being above this stuff, and, and I don't think they're on Trump's side. They they throw these issues into the basket of deplorables and kind of neutralize them. So uh, I, I feel like this, the fact that the rigged elections are all in the news have that one idea to make it seem like a marginal kind of crazy thing to, to think. But then uh, on the other hand, I think that there is a bigger picture at work here. I think there's going to be that we're really being set up 
for conflict after the results of this election. So I want to get into that uh, at the bottom of the hour. First, we have to take a break. But you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show or get uh, email me or get my podcast of this or my online stuff at MonicaPerezShow.com. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 unless I am preempted by sports, but... The good news is that not only can you get all my past WSB shows on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, also I am doing an online show, a YouTube show, iTunes if you prefer, called The Propaganda Report, which I co-host with my producer, Brad Binkley, who's obviously here in studio. And uh, we were just telling people in the last segment, Binkley, you want people to subscribe, right? It helps you to get uh, higher up in the search engines. Oh, yeah. Su- subscribe to my YouTube page. It's at freedomactradio.com. We'll also put uh, a link to it on Monica's page. And also subscribe to the podcast because that helps us show up more in searches on iTunes. Yes, and I have noticed that we get a lot of popularity on iTunes. So that's good. And it, it's a little – the show, I try to focus on – We try to focus on the theme of the week that's in the mainstream media and what it really means. That's why it's called the Propaganda Report. We just try to dig into the news, uh, more analyze what the hidden agenda is than just trying to uh, uh, piece it together. I always feel like when I used to read the Wall Street Journal, I was so happy that I could just like follow the narrative like, oh, I know what's happening in Mosul right now, you know, and now I'm just like, why did they say that? And then now I feel really proud and I'm like, oh, I know why they said it. So I like to use this as an opportunity to say, hey, we even talk about what to, what, do I, what, what to watch out for because we see these patterns emerging. I think we're great at that. And, and one thing that I'm looking at right now, which we were talking about in the last half hour, about uh, that the theme of the week is the rigged election. That Trump brought it up, and even Hillary—they're not—they're not emphasizing this. That Hillary's talking about the the Russians hacking away and influencing our election. But that was the theme of the debate on Wednesday. It's the theme of the week, and I think it has some some broader reaching implications. Oh, yeah, I, I would say so. I, I think that uh, they're going to want to install Hillary, and she wants to continue to propagate uh, or uh, antagonize and cause more division among the the country. Yeah, I mean, that's the this is a a, I want to peel the onion a little bit. It's a little nuanced a thought. I hope I can deliver it in a clear way. But I have. So I I think of the rigged election talk a lot of the deplorable stuff. I'm always looking for the psychological operation at work. And if you think that there aren't operations at work, just watch those Project Veritas videos from James O'Keefe about how the Democrats were sending operatives into Trump rallies and disrupting them, which, of course, when I was sitting there watching the Chicago rally get canceled, I said to my husband, look at those agents provocateur, (laughs) you know, or saying that. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, look at them. They're wearing, you know. I hate Trump shirts. This is hard evidence, too. Like, we hear about these things, and you can read about them happening in the past, but this is hard evidence of it happening right now. Yeah, and the only reason that seeing them do it isn't hard evidence is because you just don't believe it could be that obvious. (laughs) You know? But now you know. So I look at stuff like this that's really – I I know that there are operations at work that go even deeper than that, than even deeper than just, you know, ham-handed throwing – old ladies to the wolves kind of thing that was described in those videos. I feel like 
there is a bigger operation at work here, and it's not just to get Hillary elected. It's it's got. I think it will it's for continued conflict in going forward. And something that really kind of blew my mind is that I know uh, I was reading a blog called Richard Charnin's blog, I think. And he gets into statistics that he says proves like beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is election fraud. And I can't really analyze it because I don't know where the numbers came from. I mean, I, I guess I could. But, you know, who has the time? So and he is very Democrat focused. And he was saying how Hillary stole the election from Bernie Sanders. What I didn't expect to see when I went to his site was that he's saying Hillary stealing it from Trump, that the real polls show Trump winning. And and I just was flabbergasted. But I know, Binkley, that you have a friend who has access to inside polls and he felt uh, something similar or what yeah, a friend of mine, Alan, he he. He believes that Trump is winning um, by a large amount and that it, it's being rigged like that. And I personally, I, I think I think that Trump is probably winning vote-wise, and I think it probably is being being – I think the perception is being rigged, absolutely. And uh, they just need people to believe that Hillary is going to win. Right. Well, here's the thing. It, it's, if, if it's that rigged and she was going to win anyway – why create all of this divisiveness and conflict? Why create the basket of deplorables? You don't actually have to demonize Trump and his followers if you can just steal the election anyway. But yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. the basket of deplorables, the reason you create that is because in the future, this is a long term thing, is in the future, anytime anybody disagrees with Hillary or anybody opposes her, she can label them with these terms which are specific enough to be repulsive, but also general enough to be flexibly applied to anybody. So she can categorize anybody now in the future into that basket and silence them. Yeah, I, I agree that it is in order to neutralize this huge segment of the population. And uh, but but the. The amount of conflict this is generating just confuses. It doesn't confuse me, but it makes me think that there that possibly that was the primary purpose of the Trump candidacy. My initial feeling was that to have a candidate that divisive, that polarizing, that couldn't possibly garner the vote of more than like 40 percent of the population was what Hillary needed to be plausible. But if he actually is capable of winning, then, uh, you know, and they're just going to steal it anyway. What you've really done is created a larger group, a a larger group of more radicalized people so that you're going to head into much more conflict than you otherwise would have had. And And it also brought into question for me that... Uh, there's this concept called the Overton window. I got a great tweet from a local libertarian the other day uh, during the debate, Nick, who said um, Trump moved the Overton window. And the Overton window was used to explain why Ron Paul could never win. And and I think that was that it's wrong, that he could have won. He could win that. If you're too far outside the mainstream on issues, you could never win an election. And I would have thought that Trump would be like that. And actually, he isn't really that far. He's not far outside the mainstream on issues at all. I mean, he has like an inconsistent kind of position. You know, he's not clearly a hardcore libertarian or some kind of socialist. He kind of dabbles. 
but none of his positions are really so far out there. It's really just his delivery, his persona that seems so far outside the Overton window. But uh, it's it's interesting to me that uh, it's been how he has been allowed to access kind of the mainstream, been allowed to kind of expand the personality profile within the Overton window, whereas Ron Paul was completely shut down, always with this argument, he's unelectable. He's unelectable. His foreign policy is dangerous, which is hilarious, given that our foreign policy, the Obama-Bush-Clinton foreign policy is is actually deliberately (laughs) dangerous. You know, it's actually, we're much more danger now than ever. Inversion of reality again. Yes, and they get away with it. So that's why I always kind of think that Overton talk is really, it's the media that that determines what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And they did always validate, give credibility to Trump so that they allowed him to uh, to garner this kind of following. They allowed that and then... They ever, you know, they allowed this deplorables basket to expand and she created it. And then every single thing he touches seems to go into that. And I I feel strongly that this is all uh, creating a post-election reality of conflict. And, you know, and you see that, too. Yeah, I think they absolutely want to create that post-reality of uh, conflict because that's the more conflict they have, then the more people will beg for regulations and the more they can transform society under the illusion of democracy with people begging for the government to step in and, and stop the conflict. That has actually is a, a well-established tactic. When I was talking to Ron Paul and I said, you know, I, I see some, I smell a rat with how immigration all around the world is being manipulated and he said they love chaos. Chaos creates dependency and and conflict. Uh, it says that in that great report from Iron Mountain, I always cite that what they want is uh, and, and actually there was a huge article in The Wall Street Journal earlier this week about how they started um, these like fake Catholic organizations to get it actually said like Podesta and a guy named Halpin and Newman, a few guys. The shadow government? <laughs> well, they're the shadow Democrats. See, they don't they don't act like it's from the government. They're like, oh, the conspiracies only exist on the left. Of course, it was complete yeah. proof of conspiracy. Well, one of those emails you're, you're mentioning actually yeah. referenced them as uh, one of these groups as the shadow government. It said that. Oh, term. did it really yeah, say it, that? The, I didn't realize that. But it, but what they really it seemed to me like they're emphasized that it's only coming out of the Democrats, which, of course, can't be true. But what they were saying was that they were creating these groups in order to get these are in leaked emails, in order to get Catholics themselves to demand changes in the Catholic Church towards a more democratic process, whatever that could possibly mean, and towards more, you know, less Byzantine uh, gender equality, something like that. But it was really <laughs> an example of how that they want people to demand it. They manipulate you. And these Project Veritas videos demonstrated that he said what they did was they would teach people how to get uh, provoked being punched in the face. And then he called it, we scenarioed it out. They would, and they said they took this old lady, they trained her for two weeks to To get her face bashed. (laughs) Right. And they scenarioed it out, which means they thought of different ways to get it done. And, and, um, you know, they could roll with the punches, so to speak on how 
to to get to the outcome they wanted. And this this stuff is very real. And so when you see something like this deplorables basket, when you see everybody giving a lot of attention to rigged elections, you you can anticipate that they're coming out for their their egging for conflict. And I think you're right. It's it's so people will ask for uh, protection or or, you know, to be recognized by governments. Yeah. Yeah. And what I mean, what you said about the, them doing that and training them, that's going on at every level of society. I mean, these are public relations tactics. I mean, PR companies all over the world are getting paid millions of dollars to do things just like this for every issue, every company that has enough money to pay them. This is what Edward Bernays talked about in his books, like from the 1920s. That's true and funny because there actually is tons of evidence of that. You can, if you dig in, I'm sure they have trade magazines that talk about that stuff that you I, you sent me an article of uh, not too long ago about how one of these companies made al-Qaeda recruitment videos for the U.S. government and said, oh, yeah, we were just going to follow the electronic signature to see who is, you know, watching them. And the, and the guys who made the videos were like, yeah, we didn't like actually put an electronic signature on there, but whatever. So and I actually posted that to my website. So we know it happens. I feel like these things are um, presenting or or, are showing us what's to come, a little bit of foreshadowing. I want to, uh, we've got your man on the street stuff at the top of the hour. Stay tuned. Uh, We're going to wrap up this hour. After the break, this is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are back talking about what signals to read from the themes that are emerging in this home stretch of the election cycle. I can't help but think that at this point, we the the all the propaganda, all the purposes of the themes that have emerged over this past year are really coming together and will really come to a head after the election. That's why this talk of the rigged election is being promoted by the media. I think it is a recipe for conflict. And I think one one of the broader issues that will continue to bubble up to the surface is that democracy itself is in the crosshairs, from what I can tell. Now, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I'm a hardcore libertarian. To me, having a democratic republic as we have is totally fine as long as they there is no power to encroach on our basic rights, as long as you can't mess with the Bill of Rights. And I, I feel like we're ever going closer to where even our elected officials, Obama does it all the time, calls this country a democracy, which implies that they, that the mob can kind of just make the rules as they go. I don't think it's like that. We have an objective set of laws laid out in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, the foundational documents. And we uh, our democracy is highly limited or should be anyway. But the idea that government is for the people and by the people is, you know, an essentially democratic idea. And that's what I keep hearing signals that that's in the crosshair from the rigged election to Russian hacking. I feel like, uh, you know, there are a couple of purposes here, including that, you know, maybe more technocrats like generals or bankers should have more power that the foreign policy experts who support Hillary have said it's it's kind of too dangerous for Trump supporters to have a say 
And it reminded me of when Kissinger said uh, the Chilean people should not be, you know, their election is too important to be trusted to the Chilean people. I mean, he really said that. And uh, and we attempted a coup there as a result. So democracy itself is a, is an ideal that's being attacked right now. So I but also the question of freedom. Let's see. I have Binkley has got a man on the street a segment coming up where he asks people on a college campus what they think freedom is. Very interesting results. Stay tuned. This is Monica Perez. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, except, of course, when there's sports, football, basketball, uh, no problem whatsoever because... You can get all my WSB shows on podcast. And now I have an online show just for the time. I actually probably will extend it now permanently, but, but my producer, Binkley here, uh, helped me create it just for this off season so that we would kind of keep people in the loop on what we're thinking. But it's such a big success that I have a feeling we're going to keep it going. It's called The Propaganda Report. And uh, Binkley's actually my co-host on it. And he's pretty funny. So he keeps me laughing. And it really lightens up what are some really serious issues that I, I just it's so hard not to take them super, super seriously. But don't you think there's a, a huge um you know, craving for that, Binkley? Don't you think your the response has been overwhelming? It's good. I think we're growing, and I would agree that there's a uh, a need to bring some light to the darkness. I know one time I, I I said something funny about the globalist at one point on Reddit, and some guy was like, "I'm too angry to laugh about the globalist." Like, All right, dude. <laughs> dude, sometimes I think we go a little bit too far because the propaganda is so preposterous. That when you see through it, like we are doing, the more we do it, the more you can see through it and the faster. If people aren't, you know, people have real jobs. They're not screw. When they read the newspaper, they're reading it to know what's going on. They're not reading it to scrutinize uh, the propaganda message. But when you get really good at it, the, the, how obvious it is and how silly it is becomes, uh, you know, just you could just laugh way before people are ready. So it's a little edgy, but I don't mean for it to be edgy at all. It just ends up that way anyway. So try it for yourself. If, if people want to check it out, um, you're, you said, Binkley, you're going to post it on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com with kind of like, just tell people, please subscribe here and that'll help us. Yeah. We'll give them instructions and put everything on your website. Okay. That sounds great. Uh, so, but in the spirit actually of, keeping things a little lighter we uh we had the idea of you going which is something you've done before going on uh you know, kind of throughout atlanta to interview the man on the street to see what regular people think uh specifically about something that's been bothering me and that is the uh 
the fact that I see the word freedom, the meaning of the word freedom, which which has been on my mind, freedom and liberty were on my mind because I just recently interviewed Ron Paul, which we played that at the three o'clock hour. We're going to play it again at the six o'clock hour here on WSB. It was quite spectacular. <laughs> it was a spectacular moment for me. And I, I in kind of keeping with that theme, I wanted to to not only do we defend liberty, but I feel like we might be in a position real soon where we have to actually defend the word freedom. Like we have to defend the words capitalism and the word fair has been completely hijacked to mean equal, which is not what fair means. So I see that freedom is is getting morphed by the right, by the press on the right, uh, specifically by saying um it means safety. They want you that if you if you're not safe, you can't be free. But of course, like from a libertarian perspective and the founders of this country, their perspective, uh, freedom, you know, liberty and government are the opposites. So you want to really limit your government so that you can maximize your liberty. But I see this uh, metamorphosis taking place where they want to say freedom is the same as security. And if you want security, you have to have these big wars. And that is kind of crazy. But I feel like they say the word freedom and somehow in your mind, you picture bombs dropping on the Middle East like that. That's just a, you know, a future vision of what what I think is, you know, kind of Orwellian vision of how they're going to use language. So that was my kind of why I wanted to hear what people are thinking right now about freedom. I think the that that impression is going to change over time. But tell me who you asked. Like, what what do you um, where'd you go? What'd you do? I talked to some students at Georgia Tech on campus and I talked to some people just walking around Piedmont Park. And we instead we didn't talk to big groups. A lot of times we'll see in the media big groups of people reacting, you know, crowd psychology. They'll, they'll just be really intense. We talked to individuals and, you know, uh, two or three people and everybody was a lot more reasonable. They say that discourse is uh, the death of propaganda. And um, I think that kind of proves true here because they were open minded, reasonable. But we did learn a lot of uh, valuable insights from them. All right, so let's see what um, what they had to say. I'm gonna let's uh, let's roll that clip. Asking people what their what their definition of freedom is. Uh, it's being able to do what you can to the extent that it does not. Uh, it's not at the detriment of other people. Uh, equal opportunity, you know, and everybody treated the same. Um, freedom is like America. It's being able to say what you want and believe what you want. Freedom is anything but what Hillary Clinton represents. Yeah, so what's freedom mean to you? Freedom means being able uh, being able to like express yourself and being free, I guess. Okay. So what, what is your idea of freedom? Uh, community, unity, um, everybody. It isn't selective. Um, it doesn't isolate people. It doesn't highlight specific interests. It celebrates them. Um, so I don't think anyone or anything can be essentially free unless there's some sense of harmony. Uh, fewer laws and more ability to live the way you see fit. What's your definition of freedom? My definition of freedom is to be able to be who you are and what you want to be without judgment, without limitations. Um, we have freedom of we have freedom of speech, but I want real freedom of speech. You understand? Okay. Like, I want to be able to say what I have to say without judgment. What is your definition of freedom? 
Uh, for me, it's being able to to do what I want within reason, so long as I'm respecting other people's freedoms. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's about that. It's about um, being able to do what you want without hurting other people. Um, I think that's the re- that's the definition of like reasonability. I was actually pleasantly surprised by the there were I counted three guys who who came pretty close to what I think is at least the definition of civil liberty, like a libertarian's uh, definition of liberty in uh, society, which is you can do what you want uh, under the law without encroaching on other people's rights to basically do what they want under the law. That that yeah. I, was, I thought three was a pretty good number for that. And, and at least two of them were undecided, maybe all three. I can't remember exactly. So you feel like it was there was no partisanship there? You didn't or you don't know? They were undecided on who they're voting for. Oh, but don't didn't. Isn't it your position that sometimes that undecided really just means I'm embarrassed to admit it? Yeah, they don't want to tell you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the other thing I observed there was that a few of the gals and I I don't know if it's significant that it's like guys were um maybe more analytical or road. I don't, I, I wouldn't even know how to categorize it, but it was only guys who said that thing about the kind of libertarian definition. And it was only gals who said the words, uh, judgment. So one gal said she wanted to express herself. Another gal said she wanted true free speech without judgment. And, uh, another gal said she wants to, you know, she thinks she needs to be who you are without judgment. And I think that's really interesting because what they're, I think that the guys that we were talking about, they were thinking about freedom under the law. These gals seem to be thinking about freedom within society, within culture. And that's such an interesting distinction to me as a libertarian, because a lot of times people confuse the idea of being a libertarian with this idea of being a libertine. A libertine is somebody who just, uh, you know, lives in a Bacchanalian world of uh, drunkenness. A libertine, like if you looked it up, it means somebody like who Paris just. Hilton? Yeah, yes, yes. I, I think that's correct. So they. When they feel that, you know, that that as a libertarian, what you actually rely on is that society and culture has norms. They have values and, and they're different. They can you can have a tiny little society that you live in, a great big society, and you can switch societies if you want to have a culture that appeals to you more. But it's this old Albert J. Nock in uh, Our Enemy the State, his concept was, or what he defined there, I don't even think it was an original concept of his, but it might have been, that social power and state power is a zero-sum game. So the more you increase state power, the less social power. So these norms and cultural values are defined by the state and actually enforced by the state. But I, I, I want to say like i i understand what these chicks are saying and i want to use an example i just had recently with my kids where we went into the store and uh the pet store we're in the pet store and there was a little dog that needed to be adopted and uh i don't you know i don't need another dog but anyway they the kids wanted it i was like oh i'll consider it and the lady at the pet store said well you can 
uh, it's already neutered and everything. All you really need to do is pay for the microchip. <laughs> I said the microchip. If it Whoa. needs a microchip. Yeah. I said, I, I can't. I don't want the dog. And so uh, she gave me the number for the rescue place or the email. So I emailed the rescue place like, oh, we're interested in Bailey. And uh, I got a thing back. I said, yeah, that pet store lady said that you wouldn't take the dog if it had a microchip. May I ask why? And I said, I thought about it, really thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I really feel we have a responsibility to have honest discourse about serious issues in this country and not feel like we are stifled. So I decided I also really try to tell the truth whenever I can. That doesn't mean I have to blurt out everything, but I, I try not to lie. So I told the absolute truth, which is I did not want a member of my family being a walking tracking device, which is what I wrote. And I object to the surveillance state. And I think that we should kind of draw a line. You choose if you want to have a chip in your dog. I really don't think it's that big a deal, but I don't want to have a chip in my dog. I kind of want to draw a line in the sand about the RFID, that ID chip, um, you know, there's always a slippery slope. It's this incrementalism. I just didn't didn't want it. And I, and I even wrote, it's like, I doubt this is going to be a major issue in the lifetime of this dog. But this is the life I'm choosing to live. <laughs> and I, so I sent the email and I kind of felt good. You know, it's like, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of discourse. This guy should be able to handle that. And the kids are like, so what happened with the rescue thing? So I told them. They were like, Mom, people are going to think you're crazy. They'll never give you the dog now. What were you thinking of? My husband's cracking up because he didn't really want the dog either. And uh, and they <laughs> and, you know, I never heard back from the rescue place. And this is a dog who really needed a home. He's going to be better off yeah. with me and no chip, you know. Wow. I know. So anyway, I uh, I think there's something to what these gals I normally would d- dismiss. You know, oh, I want to say what I want without being judged. Judgment's important, but uh, we do need to, I think, stop thinking of each other as you know crazy just because we have opinions that you can't find on the front page of a major newspaper or, you know, and there's a good reason for that. Anyway, let's continue this conversation after the break. We've got more hilarious uh they start getting funny because I know you kept going with the man on the street. So let's do that. Um, stay tuned for more of the Monica Perez show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are back. We are having <laughs> a little bit of a different hour now because Binkley went and did some man on the street stuff in Atlanta and came out with some interesting results. We were just listening to a variety of people answering the question, what is freedom? What does freedom mean to you? And I I really, I I fear what freedom means to people because it's such an important concept. It's an important American concept. And I hear politicians all over, especially on the right, saying uh, equating and, and, and definitely in the media, too, but just in this election cycle, equating freedom with, uh, you know, with war. I mean, it's so bizarre. Like they'll put a flag up and tell you that we need to start wars in other countries for freedom. And it just it makes no sense whatsoever. And I had at the top of the show at the three o'clock hour, it's going to be repeated again at six, an interview with Ron Paul. And he, it was so funny because when he was running, 
he was totally made fun of because he would say things like, uh, you know, we don't need another war. And the more intervention we create, the more we experience blowback. It's dangerous for us to have this aggressive foreign policy. And uh, like everybody in the Republican Party, if I recall correctly, and on the right in the media called his foreign policy dangerous. And I would just... I uh, think it's time to reflect a little bit on if it, whose foreign policy is really more dangerous, the Clinton, Bush, Obama foreign policy of intervention that just keeps escalating this war cycle or maybe a little forbearance and diplomacy. I don't know. But if you want to hear that interview, stay tuned. We're playing it again at six o'clock. But we're going to do more of Binkley's man on the street uh, after the break. And it gets I think it's going to get a little bit silly from what he told me. But uh You know, we could probably all use a laugh. So stay tuned for more of the Monica Perez show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Although I haven't been on for a while and I won't be on again for a while because of football. This is the bye week. So I actually have an extra long show today, four hours, starting with a great interview I had with Ron Paul at 3. And then uh, we're going to replay that Ron Paul interview at 6. And if you missed any of this, you can get it all on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. You can also get all of my past WSB podcasts and a new show I am doing online with my producer, Brad Binkley, and it's called The Propaganda Report, and he's my co-host on that. And we've really been uh, having some fun, trying to lighten up, really focusing on, I guess, some of the absurdities in the mainstream media. If you if you really dig in to the mainstream media, you read, you know, I read the Wall Street Journal every single day. You just see the themes repeated and repeated and drilled into your head. And uh, it's so obvious for that it's for propaganda after a while that you can start seeing the pattern. And we've made some great predictions about like what to watch out for, what's coming down the pike. Binkley, you did some stuff about Colin Kaepernick, which was amazing how you predicted that that was going to spread around. I was really floored. Well, I, I I read a whole bunch of stuff about communist propaganda in the 1920s, and I started looking at what they were doing with Colin Kaepernick's protests and how they were symbolizing it, how it went from he was he was sitting down as a protest, and suddenly it was just symbolically taking a knee on the cover of Time magazine. So it it, it was just very obvious that it it had been hijacked by some organization for a very strategic purpose. But you knew it would spread like to campuses and stuff. I remember oh, yeah. you saying that. They were going to because he's a a sports icon. So they were going to take him to anywhere there could be young people that he could influence. And he's been going around to high schools and colleges, taking a knee with teams. One team even laid on their back with their hands up in the air. (laughs) The whole team. See, that's the thing. You know, I start to laugh at that stuff, not because I'm unsympathetic to. Yeah, but, you know, I understand the problems that, uh, that we have with the policing. And racism and all that stuff. But when this stuff rolls out, you can see it coming. It's so manipulative. It's so obvious. I mean, sometimes you just, you know, it's just laughable. The image of a a Little League football team laying on their backs with their feet (laughs) and hands in the air. That's ridiculous to me. You're right. It's the issues are real, too. But because they. Right. And and the funny thing is. 
that when they they actually and I find this when Trump trotted out the Bill Clinton's accusers, which I, I'm not bashing Trump and I, I really feel for those women. But whether they know it or not, the left will just put them into the basket of deplorables. And by treating these issues in a certain way, sometimes they actually neuter those issues and and derail them so that people just tune them out because they take on a level of a kind of carnival atmosphere. I agree. But I also think that for pretty much anybody who doesn't like Hillary, there's a deplorable basket with their name on it somewhere. Well, that's the thing. It actually creates what they call a dialectic where there are people now on both sides. It created tension. People have to embrace the deplorable thing or it doesn't really work. I mean, it would just die on the vine. I mean, that's the that's what's interesting about it. And uh, it's my my husband does not follow me down the rabbit hole at all. <laughs> he reads the newspaper and then he's like, now I know what's going on in the world, which is what most people do. And I don't begrudge him that. But last night, I guess he was probably looking at a Project Veritas thing. Those videos that came out exposing how the uh, these Democratic operatives were actually provoking fistfights at Trump rallies and that kind of thing. Yeah. And he he just I, I didn't know that's what he's looking at, but he just said, looked up and he said to me, man, you were right about so many things. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, we boy, you know, I'm going to use that against you. Right. <laughs> you don't say that to your wife. I'm definitely using that against you. And I, I had to ask she's right. <laughs> not like that. She's often right or always right. You know, that's just that's I'm putting that right in my quiver. So he uh, but he said it was about he's like he's he remembered when I said the thing about when the Chicago rally, a Trump rally was canceled. I, I literally was pointing out to him the agent's provocateur and uh, he was just sloughing it off. But he finally realized. So um, the so oh, that was just by way of saying that if you if you miss the show and you want to hear stuff when we're not on, go ahead and go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, and you'll see all the ways to listen to it. So, but uh, in keeping with what's a little bit of a lighter atmosphere on our uh, off-air stuff, you went around Atlanta and, and interviewed the man and woman on the street, and uh, we talked in the last half hour about you are asking people what freedom meant to them. If you missed it, you can also go to my site and get the podcast when it's up. But uh, thankfully, you did some funny stuff. So do you want to, uh, should we play that one next? You ready for that? Yeah, we can go ahead and play that one. All right, I'm going to play that. Should we Should we take out ISIS or ISIL first? Uh, what is ISIL? What is that? Uh, I'm more familiar with ISIS, so uh, let's get that under wraps first. Okay, so do you believe the rumors that um, Hillary has a love child with Putin? <laughs> No, I, I'm not sure about that. The rumor is that Trump is going to bring the love child, Putin and Hillary's love child, to the debate tonight. He's also supposed to be bringing Obama's half-brother. It seems like he can bring everything but the truth. What do you do when the national anthem comes on? I go like this. All right, you know, I roll anthem. around on the ground like there's a fire. <laughs> That's how I do you think that maybe Trump was talking about cats? Yes. He likes women with he cats. Could, he could have potentially been talking about grabbing their cat. Tell me what you think about Hillary Clinton. I think that um, I think she's a cat. I think she's a cat person. 
Um, I think you can divide people into cats and dog people. She's definitely in the cat category. Foreign policy, yes or no? I, I don't know. Hillary Clinton got a new car. She doesn't usually drive it. Her One of her chauffeurs or her uh, her thugs drive it. But she's been there. she was seen driving around Washington in Aleppo. Wow. Have you seen those? No, is it like leprosy, leprosy yes. type of car? Well, it's a leprosy colored car. Oh, leprosy colored and, car. And the, the paint falls off of it as she drives down. Oh, like, that's pieces. Lovely. Yeah, it's really, it's <laughs> a lot like Hillary. It's a lot like Hillary. It's great. Do you think it's true that she's sleeping with Putin? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that rumor. So I was a little worried that you're going to offend cats and then take a shot at lepers. It's not really I mean, I necessary. Taking, God, that woman, I was just responding to her. She, um, you know, she was asking if it had anything to do with with lepers. And I actually, I, there are the one of the charities I contribute to religiously, even though it's not even tax deductible for me. It's is a leper colony in India. But uh, so I'm going to shout out for the lepers, and I will even post on my website how you can also contribute. Highly recommend. But uh, I love that lepo thing because I don't know if people realize that's a reference to Gary Johnson being completely set up. Was it the Morning Joe show? It was the Morning Joe, yes. They really, Gary Johnson's the libertarian candidate, and I am not a fan. I William Weld literally <laughs> said, or I should say, he said something to the effect of uh, Hillary's the most qualified candidate in the race, and this is the <laughs> running mate. You know, he's actually on <laughs> the ticket. I mean, it was crazy. He's like, yeah, but, you know, the jury's still out, I guess. On Gary, I mean, this is his running mate. It was just a crazy, crazy thing, but uh, but I still, yeah, no, it was a total setup. He was a an office mate of Hillary's at one point. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I want to claw my way out of the rabbit hole every time I try. Something like this comes up, and uh, so the but the thing was, they asked, it's totally out of context. They asked. Gary Johnson, what would he do about a lepo? Uh, <laughs> he said, tires on to get an oil change. <laughs> right. Actually, a lepo is a fish. It's like a, <laughs> a fam Malaysian fish or something. But he, he said, what, what is a lepo? And it was, it was not like, it was about a month ago, maybe. And, uh, boy, they skewered him for that. And I, and it was super stupid of him. I mean, I, I know what. Aleppo is just by reading the newspaper every day, but uh, but it's just kind of a joke that the way the guy said it. So I thought that was hilarious. Uh, I did that. No comments on the cat thing. Oh, you did, and yeah, the audio didn't come out on a lot of it. But I asked like it would be like a dog would walk by, big oh, so nice dogs at Aleppo, (laughs) and no. Only one person stopped themselves and goes, that's the that's in Syria. Wow. It's amazing that even one person did that, because don't they say like if a high school student was shown a map of the world, they can't find North America like the most of them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not uh, OK for a presidential candidate not to know something that is in the news kind of. But I loved the first guy when he asked him if he thought you should take out. ISIS or ISIL first, and he said, yes. uh, "What's an ice hole?" <laughs> so you, that's where you put your uh, Miller Light before the game. <laughs> uh, it re- 
reminds me of the Project Veritas stuff. Um, <laughs> they uh, because I CNN played a clip of that uh, the Project Veritas videos where they show the operatives plotting to disrupt we just talked about that the plotting to disrupt the trump things they they uh started kind of i guess working blue on cnn playing some of those tapes which uh were, were kind of shocking more shocking than your cat comment here they were yes yeah. so that video was funny to me at the end of it that the guy there's all this noise happening because trump's plane pulled up and and the you're talking about when anderson cooper was talking to van yeah. jones you're right yeah, yeah. And uh, everybody starts making a bunch of noise and the guy's talking. He goes, oh, they're booing, but they're not booing me. And they were clearly cheering that Donald Trump's plane had pulled up and he's talking about how they're booing. And then in the background, they start going, uh, lock her up, lock her up. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously they weren't <laughs> booing Donald Trump. I'll I'll post that video in my show notes on on my uh, website, MonicaPerezShow.com. So that you can see what we're talking about is this Anderson Cooper clip where they're trying to backpedal on what was some real obvious, I mean, outtakes of this guy just admitting to, I, I would say it, it was illegal activity. Certainly he thought it was illegal activity. And all they could say was James O'Keefe, who runs Project Veritas, is a convicted criminal. And it really, it really went. Uh, they call that an ad hominem attack where they just went after this guy, even though the the videos absolutely speak for themselves. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. You know, we have to post all of that, but uh, we're not finished yet. We're going to wrap it up after the break and then stay tuned for the six o'clock hour for the Ron Paul interview. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are back. We did some great man on the street stuff. I got to thank you, Binkley, for that. No problem. Was that that fun? Yeah, yeah. I love doing stuff like that. How did people react to you? Did they they think you were crazy? I mean, walking up to complete strangers and just starting a conversation, getting them to open up, getting them to laugh. uh, Maybe we could learn some lessons on how to communicate with each other. And you actually brought some some strategies for that into it, right? Like who you targeted or the size of groups and stuff. Yeah, you kind of look at. So it depends on, you know, if you want to get a bunch of people yelling and screaming about something, then you go up, you go to a protest rally and you ask a, uh, an emotional question and they'll start screaming. If you want to get people to really think about an answer, then you you kind of try to find them in an environment where uh, where it's not going to be scary for them and, uh, you know, make them feel comfortable. That's why we went to the college campus as we I mean, a lot of people didn't want to say anything. So we did get turned down a whole bunch. But um, it's just about letting people know that you're not going to judge them and make them feel bad about what they say. Well, you must have succeeded because people who were afraid of being judged did talk to you. I guess it would also be a self-selected group of maybe more courageous people. But something you said reminded me of those Project Veritas videos where the the operative who had been training people to basically get their faces punched in, whatever, said how it was so easy to evoke these kind of responses yeah, they scenarioed it out, which I guess he verbized the word scenario and said that they could just predict it. But but it's actually quite easy to predict uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, if you go to any kind any type of uh, crowd gathering, especially at a political rally where people all fired up and you just wear a shirt or you just say something that is clearly representing uh, of the opposite side, then you're going to start a fight. Yeah, well, they they were very effective doing it. And I wonder, I mean, I can't, 
It seems like the fix is in for Hillary for sure. And I actually heard, you know, I could not actually fully verify that the Koch brothers had anything to do with Project Veritas. Maybe that's a well-known fact. I really don't know. But I know that they did say something about supporting Hillary. So this thing is a really puzzle that I think we're is going to have to unfold over time. We we are out of time. So I am going to wrap it up. But we'll I, I want to keep up on that particular story. It's really it's, it's hard to deny the smoking guns that came out in those videos. I'll post those along with everything else when the podcast is up on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. And stay tuned for my interview with Dr. Ron Paul coming up next.